Welcome to the Underrepresented in Tech podcast, hosted by Michelle Frechette and Ali Nimmons. Underrepresented in Tech is a free database built with the goal of helping people find new opportunities in WordPress and tech overall. Hi, Ali. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired. There's so much happening leading yeah, up to seriously. WordCamp US. And of course, there's like a vacation day or a holiday in between. So mm-hmm. it's like instead of like having five days to get five days worth of work done, heading up to the to the, you know, to flying out, it's like four days and then three days and then two days. That's like, oh, booger. Like I have tomorrow and Tuesday and then I'm on a plane, you know, yeah. so. I'm maybe burning the candle at both ends. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm feeling the exact same way. Just like there's so many things to do and it's, it's suddenly it's here. Like suddenly it's next. I'm saying yeah. next week now, which is crazy. Cause I used ah! to be, we used to say like, oh yeah, in September, in September. And now it's like next week, but I am trying to just hold on to like the, all the joy that is going to come and like seeing you and being able to yeah. just like snuggle up next to you and hang out and seeing all of our other friends. Like it's going to be mm-hmm. so emotionally like overwhelmed. Like it makes me want to cry just thinking about it. Um, so I'm trying <laughs> no, to focus on, you know, even if we don't get everything done that we have to get done, it's going to be amazing and it's going to be fun. And yes. yeah, we're going to have a great time. Absolutely. I'm so excited. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, life also must go on. We, we must record podcast yep. content for our audience. <laughs> so that's why we are here. Yes. Yes, we are. Well, I had um, sent you a list of some words that I've been building uh, to kind of peruse over and think about having as one of our podcast topics Mm -hmm. in our whole idea along the lines that words matter. We've talked before. We've used that phrase, words matter, because words matter. Words are the way we communicate with one another. It is how we perceive our self-value in our own head, right? The talk that we put in our own head, those are words Mm -hmm. that we have in our own head and how we communicate value to others using language. Um, You know, and we've talked about ableist language. We've talked about racist language. We've talked about those things. What I want to talk about today are the things that have become over time commonplace phrases that actually have racist roots. Yeah. And things that should be removed from the common vernacular because of where they have come from, right? Right. So, um, for example, one of the things that I did working at Give is I removed the word whitelisting. So I used to say, oh, we've whitelisted your IP address so you could use it on your, your development site as well as your live site. I took that out there because the idea of white versus dark you know, good versus evil. And the whole idea is that it isn't like, I'm sorry, I love wearing black. Black's one of my favorite colors. If I walk, if I, if I walk out of the house wearing black, I'm not the bad guy in an old Western movie, right? I'm just wearing a color that makes me happy. Yeah. And so to vilify a color or glorify a color based on good versus bad behavior is at its core a racist thing to do. 
So what I did, because people are like, well, what do you do? What do you say if you don't use whitelisting? I would say I've added I've added your other domain to your licensing so that, you know, and actually some people don't even know what whitelisting means. And so I was actually removing some of the mystification mm -hmm. around some of the language that we were using. So I've that's also just heard, a simple example of what I'm talking about. Yeah. I've also heard like um, you have a allow or a disallow uh okay. list um or yep. a block or an unblock there's so many other ways to say it that you're totally right are so much more clear and obvious to somebody mm -hmm. who may not be familiar with the jargon or the terms and all of these things yeah. um and a lot of times yeah for a job like yours working at give helping with people with licensing you might be dealing with someone who just runs a nonprofit doesn't code right so they're not they may yeah. not know so it makes a lot more sense to just be clear rather than using the vernacular or, especially when the vernacular can be harmful especially for people for whom english isn't their first language mm -hmm. right so you're working with customers all over the world maybe some of the terms we're going to talk about today don't make any sense in other languages yeah. because they are you know colloquialisms and things like that so I thought we could kind of walk down through the list today. Um, I know you're, if you're not, if you're, if you're listening, Allie is the queen of Google it quick and I am the queen of I'll, I'll find it eventually. So if we don't have, if we don't have the uh, origin of things, she's going to Google them when we're talking about them. But yeah, the first, the first thing I wanted to put on there and, and things that I, you know, I, you, let's just say a lot of us have used a lot of these words over, over the time. I will honestly say I haven't used all of them just because some of them just haven't made sense in my life. Mm -hmm. But the first one on the list is something that until recently, a lot of us didn't know had mm -hmm. racist roots. And that is grandfathered in. Mm -hmm. yeah. So oftentimes we'll talk about somebody being grandfathered in, meaning that whatever situation they arrived at originally in spite of any changes that happened thereafter, they are still allowed the yeah. original conditions. Continues so for example, maybe, right. So I, I may have purchased a plugin at a certain fee, annual subscription rate. The prices go up later and we would use, we used to say, you're still grandfathered in at the original price. Right. I had no idea why that was a thing. Like, why did we call it that, right? Mm -hmm but you have the answer. So tell us where that comes from. So the original term refers to, and I'm, I'm uh, plagiarizing reading verbatim off of what I find on Google so that I can get the language right. So I don't miss say mm -hmm. anything, right. Um, refers to statutes or I guess rules, you know, put in place after the civil war here in America by the Southern States. And the, the cause of that was to block African-Americans or ex-slaves from voting. Uh, while exempting white voters from taking literacy tests and paying payroll, paying uh, poll taxes required to vote. So I guess it was, it's kind of like, well, your grandfather couldn't vote. So neither can you sort of an idea, right? You're grandfathered in literally to that rule of you can't, you can't vote. You don't have the right, right. to be able to do this. It was actually the opposite. It was you grandfathered in the white people. 
people. So the white people who always had the right to vote, whether or not they had literacy, they were grandfathered in because their grandfather could vote, right? And it was a Uh, way to gatekeep out mm -hmm, mm -hmm, any mm -hmm. Black and African-American people from being able to vote because they didn't have grandfathers here that did that. So you were grandfathered in if if you had a legacy behind you that allowed those kinds of things to happen. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I had it a little bit backwards, but you get the idea. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. The next term I have... um, my daughter brought to me because I was going over lists like what other lists would you you know what other words did you add to the list and she said Indian giver now I haven't used that since I was a kid and didn't know any better I mean I am a work in progress people I have not been completely little Mary sunshine my entire life I didn't know as a kid that some of these things that I'm talking about now I I shouldn't have said Right. You know, I grew up in my vocabulary now in the 90s. We definitely said Indian giver like all the time. We even I don't know if you ever did this. You would take someone's arm kind of like this Mm -hmm. and you would rub like this way. Yeah. I don't friction burn. Yeah. We call it an Indian burn. Yeah, yeah. No idea why, but I would ne- like, what the heck? I would never say that now. Don't say it now. That's right. But what do, do you have where Indian giver came from? So Indian giver derives from the, it says alleged practice of American Indians here in the U.S. of taking back gifts from white settlers that they had given them. Um, what it says here is it is more likely that the settlers wrongly interpreted the Indians loans to them as gifts. So the Native American would, you know, loan a tool or something to the white settler. They interpreted that as, oh, you're giving it to me. And then when they took it back, they were like, oh, you're an Indian giver. You you, you didn't hold to your word. You right. were deceptive, blah, blah, right. blah. And it sounds like a, a very easy way to just vilify someone despite not understanding what it is mm-hmm. that they intended. Right. Give a gift and take it back. That's yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's definitely obviously has racist roots in it. Yeah. Uh, the next one has taken me a while to, re- to uh, change my language because it's so ingrained in realty, realty that the primary bedroom is called the master bedroom and anything else is secondary or tertiary or, or smaller or kids rooms yeah. or whatever you want to call them. And the idea, and I didn't realize, I was like, well, I don't, it's just called the master bedroom. Why is it called the master? Well, it's called the master bedroom because it harkens back to slave times when the master of the house had the biggest bedroom. Yeah. That one's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, if you put master uh, in there, if you have master or slave in the, in the phrase or word, it's pretty self-explanatory of uh, where that came from. Um, yep. what's interesting, I Googled that one, even though I, I knew what it was, um, and it only first appeared at least, you know, kind of, I guess in writing or in the way that we refer to it, right? Like the big bedroom, the one with the bathroom attached, blah, 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 uh, in a Sears catalog in 1926. Um, wow. but it was referring to a colonial era home that mm-hmm. yeah, had a master bedroom for the master of the mm-hmm. house to, to sleep in. Um, yep. And again, it has, there's so many other, um, other phrases that you can use that make so much more sense, right. Right. especially to a non-English speaker, like the main bedroom, the big bedroom, you know, the primary bedroom, the primary whatever, bedroom, yeah. you know, all of those mm-hmm. things. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I balk at anything that we, you know, we're, we're going to name a lot of things that people probably haven't heard before, but I always balk at the master slave use case. Cause oh. it's just like, that well, one is obvious. <laughs> And in technology, we the, we haven't traditionally used master slave to talk about the way that networks work with one mm-hmm. within itself, right? Yeah. And that's something that Masterless. we need to we need to, 
yeah, we need to get rid of that stuff too. So and uh, a primary is a great way to change master, right? So the primary list is still the first one, the one you refer to the most, the one that's, you know, the original, the OG list. I think we should call it OG list. Okay. Next one is peanut gallery. Peanut gallery often refers to the people who are observing and laughing. Like we would say like, hey, let's ask the peanut gallery, meaning all the people who aren't the principals on stage. That also has racist roots. Tell us about that, Nellie. Yeah. Um, So it originates from late 1800s vaudeville area of theater. Um, It was usually the cheapest section of seats, usually occupied by people with limited means, which can be racial minorities, not always. Um, And in the segregated South uh, region of the United States, the seats in the back or the upper balcony levels were mostly reserved for Black people because they were not allowed to sit you know, up front. We've heard that a lot. Um, it was also referred to as um, other phrases that have the N-word in them. So this is specifically the blank gallery or the blank area or the blank haven for these particular types mm-hmm. of people. And it was specifically to keep them segregated. And now we say peanut gallery. We don't say other gallery. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that is... It, it was very specifically used for that purpose. Yep. The next one I did not know either, which is cakewalk. And we often say that something's a cakewalk if it's easy. Um, I, I have one time in my life as a kindergartner, I think I told you this, right? Mm-hmm. As a kindergartner, we had one of those like fair days at school. Mm-hmm. And there was an actual cakewalk, which is the circle of squares on the floor. They were numbered like the music would stop and they'd spin a card or whatever, you know, wheel, whatever number came up, that person literally won a cake and mm-hmm. I won a cake. And the next day we apparently we had ants at our house. The next day that cake was covered in ants so we couldn't eat it. Oh, See, no. it was a harb- harbinger of, of this conversation. <laughs> the ants were like, not what? on my watch. <laughs> not on my watch. You can't have that racist cake. Uh, tell <laughs> us where that comes from. <laughs> so the cakewalk, was actually like an event. It was a pre-Civil War. So during the time of slavery, everything before Civil War in Mm -hmm. America is slavery. Um, It was a pre-Civil War dance originally performed by slaves on plantation grounds. Um, It's a uniquely American thing, first known as the prize walk. And the prize was a elaborately decorated uh, cake. So it was kind of seen as this. I do remember reading a little bit about this, and I believe it was sort of like, oh, it's a nice thing for the the masters to do for the slaves. It gives them, you know, you get a prize, you get, you know, some delicious cake. But it was also very much for their amusement to just make the mm-hmm. slaves dance for them, um, mm-hmm. which is super makes me feel super icky on the inside. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, we just look at it now as like, oh, yeah, it was a cakewalk. It was it was a breeze. Mm-hmm. It was super easy. Um And yeah, that's definitely not always what it meant. Yeah. The next one I think is kind of uh, when you know the original phrase is eedy, meeny, miny, moe. Absolutely. Because, you know, as I grew up, it was catch a tiger by the toe. The original language was not tiger. It started with the N word there. And so clearly that has some very racist roots. Um, we got so many of them. I, I, unless I, stop me if you want, stop on a particular one, Allie, but I'm going to go through a couple of them quickly. Um, call a spade a spade, which means call it like you see it. But to use that particular phrase is also problematic. Do you have that one up? 
Um, I don't have that one up right now. Go to the next one and okay. we'll circle back to that one. I will. So the next one, the next two actually have to do more with Native Americans. One is that we use the word tribe um, interchangeably with group of people that we have an affinity with. And that actually does um, infringe on Native American, Native American uh, language in which tribes to them are very spiritual and, and very much um have to do with the the group of people that are family and extended family in Native American culture. And so for us to appropriate that, appropriate that is also not something that we should do. And the one after that is spirit animal. Oftentimes we'll hear people say, oh, my spirit animal is this or my spirit animal is that, just in an offhanded kind of way. But again, that is downplaying what is truly a spiritual experience for people who are Native Americans and who have that as part of their um, their culture. So doing those kinds of using those phrases are something that we also would warn you, you probably shouldn't do. Yeah. So the call a spade a spade one is actually kind of complex. That phrase has a really long history going back to the Greeks. Um, and in this case, when we talk about a spade, um, it looks like we're speaking about it changes throughout. Um, and so the the more racist um, history with that begins in the late 1920s. Um, and it was code spade was code for a black person. Um, mm-hmm. eventually the phrase black as the ace of spades also became widely used. Um, I'm having actually a hard time this, maybe this article is just not very helpful. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was mostly used to, it was mostly used as a slur. It was just another way yeah. to isolate mm-hmm. um, and to identify like, you know, this person is different. This person is black. There's black as a spade, as black as a shovel. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Spade lit was referred, to, uh, used to refer to black babies, black children. Um, mm-hmm. And at a certain time it did, tr- we did try to reclaim it sort of like the N word. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just kind of one of those weird parts of black American history where it's like, this started being a use a word that was used to describe us in order to to other us. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would recommend if you're curious about that, we'll like do a little bit more research about it because it looks like there's actually a really complex, like long history with that phrase and that use. But none of it is a positive connotation. Nope. (laughs) So so you can point to a different part of the history of it and say, it's not so bad. It's all bad. So don't do that. The next three that I have are actually um, phrases that we, that, uh, that some of us have used um, and that we see in writing quite a bit, but that are, uh, were ways of dehumanizing language and mocking the way that people use language. So for example, the, the uh, mumbo jumbo is one where people were ta- would, would talk about um, not being able to understand the way that uh, African slaves spoke to each other and their language. And so uh, I'm sure there's more to it than that, but to be able to just say they're speaking mumbo jumbo, they're just talking gibberish, like that kind of thing. Um, to downplay the fact that the language was important to people and that you just because you can't understand it doesn't mean it's nonsensical and incomprehensible. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Then the next two are actually um, slurs against uh, the specifically, I think, but I could be wrong, um, Chinese immigration and 
um, slavery that happened into specifically coming into the west coast of the united states and that was a play on their language also one was no can do mm-hmm. go ahead i was just gonna say do you think um do you think it was just chinese or do you think japanese as well because there was a lot of discrimination against japanese immigrants as well in like yeah. world war ii yeah i think world war ii i'm sure that some of that i think that the um basic slavery of Chinese Americans into like the railroad building and mm. the gold, the gold rush culture of California is, uh, is where a lot of this came from yeah. into Chinese laundries and things like mm-hmm. that where, where, you know, where things, and so people would say um, no can do, mm-hmm. would, which would be um, a mocking of how Chinese, ch- Chinese people translated directly into English from the way that their language is formatted. Yes. So, you know, for example, if I were to speak Spanish, I would put words in different order than, the, than we would here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and also in other languages, you can drop the, le- the word I. So mm-hmm. like I could just say, um, soy, you know, uh, estoy cansada. I'm mm-hmm. tired. But I didn't say yo, yo estoy cansada, right? You could, yeah. in, but in, in English, we just, we put words together. We'd say, I'm tired, not I am tired, right? Yeah. So what happens with other languages is we mock them <laughs> in the past mm-hmm. and dehumanize them by mocking the way their language is formatted and how they say English words based on the format of their primary language. Yeah. So no can do instead of I can't do that, right? Or mm-hmm. long time, no see, right? So those were both ways to mock um, Asian Americans in the turn of the century here mm-hmm. uh, and the previous century, uh, <laughs> the turn of the century, two, two turns of the century ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and what occurs to uh, me with those is, I think that is what we might consider or call broken English which is, yes. I never thought about even that phrase being so messed up is like, they're speaking the language as best as they can based off of the mm-hmm. way their brains are wired to, to phrase the, to, to order the words. It's mm-hmm. not broken. Like Mm-mm. it's it, that phrase even puts the impetus on the person that their English needs to be like exactly perfect, but you can right. understand them. So in, it's not right. broken. Like that makes me feel a little yeah. emotional. Just, just kind of realizing yeah. that in the moment as well. Because if you're going to do that, my Spanish is fractured and shattered if you're going to talk about <laughs> broken language, because I know that I don't do a very good job, but I can communicate with people and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. And that is also important the other direction. Um, the next one is a word that we don't use anymore call, and it's oriental. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my grandmother used to call anybody from Asia oriental. And that's yeah. because when she grew up, that's what they called people. Um And the idea of the Orient and the Occident, right? So the Western Hemisphere versus the Eastern Hemisphere. We don't call us Occidentals, Mm. so we shouldn't call anybody else Orientals. And realistically, what that does is it lumps an entire population of people. Multiple countries as well. Yep, exactly. Into one homogeneous group Mm. without giving them any autonomy from where they come and and Mm. honoring their history and their individual cultures so to say somebody is oriental like it's very xenophobic to just be like yeah they are that group of people and we're normal is what it kind of implies right right like I don't ever refer to any of my friends as my Asian friends right like I'm a I might say oh she's my friend from China or he's my friend from Pakistan or she's my friend from Japan but I'm not going to call them my oriental friends or my Asian friends just like they don't call us our North American friends you know (laughs) 
they would say my American friend. So yeah. yeah. So so the only thing we still label Oriental are rugs, and that's yes. the only thing that should ever be called that. And and that is actually what I found when I googled it because there is some kind of conversation or a debate almost over you know well is is this just outdated or is it is it mm-hmm. racist and it is because during so much of the 1900s and 1800s we used that word that was a very very uh, that was a time in the west where we were super xenophobic to that part of the world right and we fetishized and romanticized and exaggerated a lot of those things so like the article i found an article in the los angeles times that describes you know when you say oriental it evokes incense and the sound of a gong and like you said rugs and things like that which mm-hmm. um we mysticized in, in all of these ways mm-hmm. without really looking at the humans that are a part of that culture. Yeah. And so yep. it's a way by not using Oriental to describe the people and the culture anymore, we're distancing ourselves from that period of time where we really dehumanized those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, and I mean, that's, I think that's kind of important to think about for all of these words. Like you might be sitting here listening or you might've even clicked away because you're like, oh, they're just words. Like, what does it matter? The words we use change the way we think about the world and they change the way we think Absolutely. about people, right? So mm-hmm. the difference in the moment of saying Oriental or Japanese might not feel very big to you, but it recolors the way that we define things and that recolors mm-hmm. our actions eventually. So mm-hmm. I think Oriental is a really good example of that in that there are a lot of, from what I understand through this article, there are many Japanese, Chinese, Korean people who don't really find up too much of a problem with that because they do acknowledge that area of the world has always been referred to as the Orient. But mm-hmm. I think it's really important to not have this exotic sized attitude around these stereotypes that this mm-hmm. one word can represent. So yeah. that's my little soapbox about that. Absolutely. Um the, the next one that I have, I'm saving the other one for last, but the next one we had was black hat versus white hat developer. We already talked about that being good mm-hmm. versus bad, you know, um, so, but I, did, I didn't want to not mention it. So, um, so push that back up to the beginning of the list where we're talking about whitelisting and, yeah. uh, you know, good versus evil and all that kind of stuff. Black hat, white hat so, SEO the, as well is really popular. Exactly. Exactly. Then um, the last one I'm going to talk about is, is in the eighties in particular and the nineties, there was this big movement to not see color. I don't see color. And you'll still, I'll still hear people say this, or I'll still see people put this out on social media. I don't care if somebody is black or white. I don't see color. That is not true. You, you do see color. Unless you're literally blind. Unless you have (laughs) no vision at all, you see color. And to say, I don't see color means you know, that it doesn't matter if, if Allie's a black woman, I'm, I'm going to value everybody just the same, but to say that you don't see her color means that you aren't also valuing that part of her existence. There was, you know, Benetton. Do you remember Benetton? I don't know if Benetton, Benetton the brand is still around, but in the eighties, they had this, um, this marketing campaign called the United Colors of Benetton. And so like all the ads had like somebody like different, skin toned people in the ads together all holding hands together so you could see that no matter who we are we all made up the world that kind of thing 
I think that that had a lot to do with the I don't see color thing. Like we're all united. It's the whole idea of the, the United States is the melting pot, right? Like New York City was the melting pot. And I grew up learning about the melting pot in school and how that was a good thing that anybody was welcome here. And now thinking back over it, like the melting pot isn't a good thing at all, right? The melting pot says we're throwing everybody in the same stew and we're mm -hmm. going to homogenize the heck out of everybody. You're just American now, yeah. but that doesn't, that doesn't honor tradition. That doesn't honor culture. That doesn't honor self identity and the, the different things that go into making each one of us, the person that we are. And, and it so encourages the, I, people to be more comfortable with othering each other. Right. Yeah, so like, absolutely. if you come to this country you know, you're, I'm being sarcastic here, putting this all yeah. in slashes or whatever. Yes. If you come to this yeah. country, it's a melting pot. So you're supposed to now be American, which means you eat American food and you sound American and you dress American and you must assimilate. You must assimilate. Right. And mm -hmm. that's totally not what the point was to begin with. Mm -hmm. Right. Like exactly. you're exactly right. A melting pot means all the cult, all the flavors just become one big flavor and that's not we should be more like a salad is what we should right. describe america right, right like here's the thing if you put if you so i think about the melting pot of crayons right so think of that big box of 64 crayons we all love with the built-in like pencil sharpener when we were kids mm -hmm. right if i color with the red crayon i see red if I color with the blue green versus the green blue, I never understood that. I get two different, two different <laughs> colors. If I peel all of the peelings off all those crayons, throw them in a pot, turn it on and melt them all together, I get sludge. I don't get a pretty color. It isn't like, I don't have a pot full of rainbow. Mm -mm. You usually get brown. I have a pot full of brown, right? Yeah. And not that brown's, I, I love you, Allie. Brown is not a bad color, but. <laughs> I was even thinking about that. But, but you just get one thing is the point, you get right? One thing, it becomes homogenized and you don't get the beautiful things that make up each of us individually and what we can all bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so the idea of the melting pot is to make everybody the same, which is not what we actually want in yeah. reality. And when people say to me, I don't see color, I hear that, but I also hear, I don't acknowledge that your color makes things difficult for you. I don't acknowledge your struggles. I don't acknowledge any of those things. I don't believe you that racism mm -hmm. or prejudice affects your life. That's what I hear. Yes. And I'm like, no, I want you to look at me and see that I'm black because I can't, barring lots of surgery and self-harm, I can't get rid of that. Right. What I want is for someone to put me and my my personality and my skills and all of those things um, first when speaking to me, making decisions about me and so on. But I want mm -hmm. my color to be acknowledged both as a pro and a con in my existence on this planet. And I think right. that is, that requires more work. People don't like mm -hmm. to do work, <laughs> right? It's they easier to just say, I don't acknowledge color. or I don't see color. It also pisses me off when people say, I don't, I don't care if you're black, white, polka dot, green, purple, blah, blah, blah. Because yeah. I hate that I did that with a Southern accent. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, because <laughs> what my mom would always say, my mom brought this up to me. I'd never noticed it. She was like, nobody is polka dot purple or green. No. You're put, you're not. So you're lumping black people in with this imaginary alien purple person. 
Mm-hmm. Like, no, like stop othering me. Right. Like, yes, exactly. Skin colors come in all different kinds of, sh- even if you're white, you can line up a hundred white people. Their skin's all, all going to be a little bit different. Yeah, right? And none of us are actually white, right? Like we're all some weird shade of pink. I guess. And none of us are like, actually black. No, exactly. Right. I mean, it's like, hello, there's a whole spectrum of people out in the world. Yeah. So my whole reason of bringing this up was it, it, number one, I always think it's interesting to learn these things. Mm-hmm. I don't like to just be told, don't say that. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm fine with not saying something, right? If mm-hmm. you tell me, don't say that because it's racist, I'm not going to say it, but I also like to learn why. And I yeah. think it's important if we're going to share with people uh, things that you should or shouldn't, or at least consider not saying um, to give you the reason why and where the origin from that comes from origin comes from anyway you don't want to try to say <laughs> where the origin is um so that it makes better sense to you why you would not use those those certain kinds of languages so and i think it's important for people to really and truly realize and understand how pervasive these thoughts are in our language in our society and in our culture in our systems mm-hmm. um yeah. because that it, it's it's just further proof the people who don't like to believe that all this stuff is real that it's a problem when you learn about how integrated it all is and how much of it has become adopted you start to see yes it's very real and it's been very real for Mm -hmm. a very long time and one of the things that we can really do to change that reality is to start with things by things like um being mindful of the way that we speak to each other and the words and the thoughts that we perpetuate with each other, I think is really Mm -hmm. important. I agree. Absolutely. Cool. So if you've listened to us all the way through, thank you. We appreciate that. Sometimes we ramble, but we are always passionate about what we're talking about and we appreciate you. And we hope that yeah, if there's other things you have to add to the list, we go tell us if you have better ways to say things that are on the list that we've carried forward. Please incorporate those into your daily language and share them with us as well. We would love to be able to make the world a little bit better place. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. This episode was sponsored by the following companies. WP Wallet. WP Wallet is a free, simple, intelligent tool that helps WordPress professionals effortlessly manage all of their license keys and invoices for all sites and clients. Never forget a renewal, lose a license key, or miss out on a reimbursement again. Join WP Wallet for free today. LearnDash. LearnDash is taking cutting-edge e-learning methodology and infusing it into WordPress. More than just a plugin, LearnDash is trusted to power the learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, entrepreneurs, and bloggers worldwide. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, using our database, or just want to say hi, go to underrepresentedintech.com. See you next week.